The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults. Well, that was Elder Mike Andrews uh, here at UPC. Some of you have probably met him before. Uh, my name is Ryan Church, and I, uh, I see some familiar faces in the room, which is, which is a lot of fun. Um, others that are... Not as uh, familiar, but uh, give me a second here to uh, introduce myself uh, to those of you that I don't know or that are here for the first time. Um, I've been on staff here at UPC for the past 10 years. All of uh, that decade has been in the university ministry, and currently I have this title that it sounds a lot more uh, fancy than it really is, but it's, it's Senior Director of University Ministries, which is just, I know, great title, isn't it, Noel? Uh, but it's just a fancy way to say that uh, I am the college pastor and I love my job here. I love what I get to do. Uh, and I'm, I'm stoked that, uh, that John invited me to, to come and share with y'all while he is doing his thing in Hawaii. When he first came to me, I'm like, wow, John, that, that is so cool. You know, the first time I'm getting the invitation to speak and then I hear, oh, it's because he's going to Hawaii for not one, but count him two weeks. I know. It makes you want to be a pastor, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, so thank you. Uh, thank you all for having me. If I was a regular part of this community, I tell you right now, I'd be on board with Shannon's hospitality team. That just that sounds like fun. I'd be on board with river rafting. That also sounds like fun. Um, but I do want to tell you a little bit um, about one of the things that has given me great joy over the past two and a half years and that is getting to know this, this red-headed little boy, my son, named Carson, and living into my, this, this newfound role for me as a father has been an interesting journey, in part because I, I grew up without a dad. My, my parents were divorced when I, was, when I was very young. My memory really begins the night that, that my mom and dad separated, so I literally have have no uh, have never lived with my dad or I should say I literally have no memories of living uh with my dad so entering into uh fatherhood was one of those things that I had no clue what I was doing and this greeting card that that uh, I got when we were going to be parents kind of says it all where there's this this child sitting there reading a book that says how to raise parents and there's no doubt that that Carson, uh, that little guy right there, who's an avid golfer at two and a half years old, like, like this morning, this is no joke. We went to the, the inner bay golf range and we hit balls for two hours. Okay. He has this unusual, I, I mean, how many two and a half year olds do you know that can do anything for two hours, <laughs> much less hit golf balls? And, and so he's, he's really into it. And then th- this evening when I went home to grab dinner, uh, before I came here, he, he goes, Daddy, are we going to go to the driving range right now? And I was like, we did that for two hours this morning. No, I'm going back to work. Uh, but Carson has taught me uh, over this past two and a half years what it means to be a parent. At least he's taught me about what it means to be his dad. And one of the first ways he began teaching me was through the medium of sneezing. You know, sneezing. We all do it, right? That thing that, you know, it kind of, kind of builds up this time of year, although not as much this year because there's been so much rain, there hasn't been as much stuff in the air. 
But, you know, that thing that we all do, and, and it can be sometimes distinctive. I bet, you know, people like, like Brenna probably have this sneeze that is, it's more like, it's more like a, a mouse chirp, where it's like, hachoo, hachoo. And, and you're like, is that, is that real? Like, what is that? You know, or then there's, then there's people like my grandfather, right? My, my 80 year old grandfather who, who, you know, you can kind of hear it coming, but then it's like, you know, and, and you're like, man, you could power a small village with the energy that that just generated, you know? And, and for me, for me, I can usually feel a, a sneeze coming on. You know, you get that itch in your nose, maybe in the back of your throat, and you're kind of, and, and people are like, church, dude, you all right? You all right? You know, are, are you on drugs? What, you know, what's the deal? And, and it builds up, and, and some, you, you've been in this position, right, where you can tell that somebody is, is going to sneeze. Okay? Well, I don't know about you, but most of the time when I'm in that mode, like, I want to sneeze. That is going to provide a wonderful sense of relief if I can actually get that sneeze out. Uh, back in the day, I've been married for nine years, but back in the day, I dated this girl who, when she would, when she would see that you were going to sneeze, she did this thing where she would just start saying, cantaloupe, cantaloupe, cantaloupe. And then I couldn't sneeze. And it drove me crazy. Don't ever do that to somebody. Okay, that is like the anti-blessing. Okay, let the brother sneeze for crying out loud. Okay, so she would say cantaloupe, and then I could sneeze. I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, well, you know, I mean, it's nasty. It gets all over the place. And I'm like, no, just let me sneeze, please. Okay, so as a really little child, I mean, he's only two and a half years, but as a really little baby, Carson would have these sneezes that were full body sneezes. Hey, when you, when you have kids, perhaps some of you have kids, one of the, one of the beautiful things is, is you you put the you put the adjective or the prefix baby on front of everything. Oh, you know, this is like a this is like a baby spoon, baby food, baby sneeze. And you would do these baby sneezes, but they were monstrous. Okay? Full body efforts, you know, and, and kind of like his dad, you know, you can kind of see it coming and you know, it would be and his whole body would shake as he'd sneeze. And of course, you know, kind of mimicking him, that's one of the things that developmentally, I guess, parents are supposed to do. You're kind of supposed to mimic your kids. I would kind of dramatically go, bless you. You know, and, and so there was something about this whole transaction that Carson thought was hilarious. And he would start laughing. And again, another one of those things that you just can't replicate that's one of the, the just wonderful things of life are baby laughs and baby giggles. You know, and so I, I commenced in trying to manufacture a sneeze and fake sneeze any, any time uh, that I could just for the purposes of hearing Carson laugh. And it was really cute. And it just, those sneezes are a great memory in and of themselves. Now, as Carson's language uh, began to develop a little bit more, one of the first things that he began to say was, bless you. After people would sneeze, okay, or after he would sneeze, like he would, he would, and then he go, "Bless you," you know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, hey, how about that? Little guy's blessing himself, you know. He's like Benny Hinn or something like that, <laughs> okay. He's, he's, he, he would sneeze and he'd say, "Bless you, bless you," and you know. And at some point, the laughs around the sneeze started to wear off, and so kind of the novelty for me began to wear off, but. 
Carson would sneeze and, and I would get distracted like with my phone or with the television would be on or something of that variety. And I wouldn't be paying attention. And, you know, Carson would sneeze and then he'd go, bless me. Daddy, bless me. Bless me. You know, and I go, oh, 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 bless you. And there was, there was something in that, A, there's a conviction about just being engaged as a father. But there's also, there's all, there was also something in that that caught my attention about, about Carson teaching me one of the primary lessons of being a dad as I listened to this a little bit more. Bless me, dad. Bless me. And so what I want to talk tonight is about this idea of blessing because I, I believe that, that one of the things that Carson has taught me is that not only is this idea of blessing foundational to being a dad, I, I believe it's foundational to how we understand the heart of God and also how we live out our call in the world. How are we going to bless? Now, I know that we, that you guys have been going through this series, uh, that John's been leading you in called, uh, called to more. And what I want to suggest tonight is that as you continue to wrestle with, with what we are called to and all the implications of this more that is embedded in the call to those that are seeking after Jesus with their, uh, with their lives, that blessing is a foundational part of it. Over and above whatever specific job or, or voice that you hear that you could be called to, what I know for sure is that you are called to bless. And that's what I, what I want to unpack tonight. And it's not going to be something that I would expect would be uh, theologically brand new to you. It may not even be theologically robust, but what I hope is that we might recapture just a little bit more of the, the weight of what it means to be blessed and to bless. So, before we get started on that task, it's probably a good idea for us to pray a little bit. Let's pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Help us to understand what it means to be individuals who are blessed. Help us understand what it means for us to be individuals who bless. And Lord, help give us a vision uh, as a community, as a community called Convergence. And Lord, for the community that calls itself University Presbyterian, give us a vision for what it means to be a community that blesses. Lord, we know we need your help to do this. So by your spirit, make us attentive and speak to us in a way that we can hear. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, to get after this tonight, we are going to look at a couple of well-known scriptures. And they are well-known because they, I, I think they're very important. They're profound. They're foundational to how we understand God and foundational to understanding how we live as the covenant people of God. But as often the case with well-known texts, they can get to this point where, you know, for whatever reason, they can sound a little bit trite. They lose the weight of their meaning. So tonight we're going to start by looking at Genesis 12, 
verses 1 to 3. But as we read this, I want to do so with the hopes of rescuing what an English teacher uh, that, I, that I had back in the day called, called this type of thing, greeting card crap. Okay, where something is mere sentimentality. That thing that you would, that you would read in, in, a, in a Hallmark card that you're kind of like, oh, that's just so sweet. Okay? I, wanna, I want us to read this to get beyond greeting card crap. Because then later on I had a, a uh, theology professor that in the, in the middle of a lecture said he would never preach on Genesis 12 because it is way overused. Now, first off, I don't think that's, a, that's a, a good reason to not preach a text. But I get what he was saying. That sometimes when we come to this text, one that if you've grown up in the church, no doubt you've heard it, uh, if not several times. Uh, but there is something bigger for us to capture here. And, and so uh, let us listen for that um, as we come to this text tonight. Okay, this is uh, Genesis 12, uh, verses 1 to 3. Here's what it says. The Lord said to Abram, go, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Blessed to be a blessing. It's not greeting card crap. This is huge. This is what one of my mentors likes to make the case that, that this is the great commission. This is the, the, the first commission, the primary commission, the commission to go, leave this place that you are comfortable and, and bless others. Leave all the things you know for the purposes of blessing. Then that, what we know is the great commission in Matthew 28, right? He calls it the great recommission, also a commission to go. And so we have, we have this, this great text that, that says, go, and it puts the people of God. It puts us in, it puts the ancient Hebrews in motion. And what we need to, to connect with as we hear this text right now is that this is our lineage. This is our heritage. These people that were put in motion, starting with Abram, that said, go, we are the continuation of that go. Go to what? Go and bless. This is the foundational text that lays out God's plan for making himself known in the world and for accomplishing that, which is to say, it's a person. It's you. It will be fulfilled in Jesus. Go and bless. Go communicate who I am in the world. That's the way I understand this text. So in order to understand what blessing is, and if we're to get it out of mere sentimentality, what we need to have here is a discussion about the heart of God. You see, the heart of God is not 
just for everybody to be nice to each other. It's not just for, for us to, to let people in on the Madison merge and, you know, not honk at them when they cut us off in traffic, you know, though that might be part of it. The heart of God is not merely to say, bless you after you sneeze. The heart of God is not going to be stuff that necessarily makes for good greeting card material. Not to skip an entire testament, given that we're in Genesis, but where we see this really come into play is the crucifixion of Jesus. (laughs) That is a picture of what blessing really is. The crucifixion, (laughs) greeting card material? Not really. We like to make it so, but greeting card material, it is not. What Jesus shows us, it's important, I know it seems like we're making a big jump here, is, is to say that God enters in. Not so that you can bless people by having your, your yard look nice. Not that blessing is just that thing uh, that keeps you from you know, kicking your dog. But that blessing is getting in. It's entering in. It's bowing down. It's getting dirty and as low as you can for the salvation, the healing, the justice, the, the, the absolute flourishing of a world that is in need of those gifts. This idea of blessing is not something for sentimentality. Blessing is a dirty word that moves us Towards something much greater than a nice lawn or letting somebody in in traffic. This is the part where you guys, uh, I love Dave Lutz. Uh, but this is the part where he, he'd, be, he'd be going, blessing. <laughs> blessing. Salvation. <laughs> blessing. Healing. Blessing. I love Dave. Dave is Dave is a great Dave is a great mentor. But I want to get back. I want to get away from Dave really quick, and I want to get back to Carson for a second. And that is to say, while it was sneezing that kind of alerted me. To this idea of blessing. It's not saying bless you after Carson sneezes. That is the way that I'm really going to bless Carson. I bless Carson by changing those monster poopy diapers. (laughs) By getting, literally getting into the crap to get the crap off of him. That's blessing. When when he's awake at 3.30 in the morning. And I want to be sleeping. And I'm thinking that eBay sounds like a really good option right now. But instead, I stay there with him in bed. No, no, no. I I know. I probably shouldn't have said that. I can't believe I just said that out loud. Okay? But honestly, it's I've had the thought. I've never actually logged on, all right? But blessing is when he wakes up and and is in a state of dis-ease. And I can be with him. To bring him back to a place of ease. 
I would rather be sleeping. That's blessing. The heart of God is for us to be returned to a place of ease. And his plan is that we are going to demonstrate his heart to others. We need to know the heart of God if we are going to know what blessing really means. So we skip uh, to Matthew chapter 5. And I want to read the Beatitudes. They're going to be up in more uh, familiar language up on the screen, but I'm going to read from the message. I think Eugene Peterson, who translated the message, is onto something in the way that he translates the Beatitudes. So feel free to follow along up there, but I'm going to be reading a different translation. Here's what, here's the Beatitudes from the message. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you there is more of God and His rule. You're blessed when you feel like you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed When you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourself being cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. Amen. That's when you discover who you really are in your place in God's family. You're blessed when you commit to, uh, when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or you throw, or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Blessing. Being blessed is something totally countercultural. When we look at the Beatitudes, we ask the question, where is the blessing? Who's being blessed? And I know for me, it pushes me in, in the way that I think about blessing. Though uh, I'm, I'm standing up in front of you now, I, I've, I've studied this stuff, I call myself uh, a pastor I found myself so often being lulled into this place of thinking about blessing like everyone else thinks of blessing. Where, where the sign of blessing is somehow material. That it is a material reward. And so what the Beatitudes do for me is, is 
push on and expand and challenge my view of what it means to be blessed. This is Shannon's hospitality team. This is saying we are going to go out to the people that, that aren't living here at the center, that aren't living the privileged life, and meet them where they are on the margins. And it is a place where we are going to get dirty. Blessing means going out to that place where there, where, where people are not concerned with others and saying, we are going to be concerned. This is what the heart of God is as it's revealed to in the Beatitudes. When we understand this in light of blessed to be a blessing, one of the images that comes to my mind is, is I've experienced it, and I'll take, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. As the line is, is uh, recently I lost uh, my, my uncle, a rather sudden death. And it, it was, again, amazing to see how family and friends came around us in that time. And, and they were a comfort. They demonstrated God's will, God's heart, God's desire for us to be comforted in that time of great loss. When we're blessed to be a blessing, I also know that there will be times when I will look for the opportunity to do exactly the same thing. Not over-explain it. Not somehow take it away and, and make it not happen. But rather, be there. Be there. Bless somebody by simply showing up that we might demonstrate God's desire that they may be comforted. Sentimentality would say that we just, hey, we pay it forward. You know, we enter into this type, type of relationship that looks a lot more like karma than it does grace. When I think about that, karma is a lot easier than grace. I'm going to do good things knowing that it's all going to come back for me. We've got to dismiss that a little bit, folks. Blessing is a lot more dirty, a lot more earthy than a mere karma. It's not material. What the Beatitudes show us is this heart of where God's blessing, the heart of where God's blessing is, where we might go and push us beyond understanding or beyond seeing mere material proof of this. It shows us the heart of God that desires humanity to flourish. Even humanity at the margins. When we understand the heart of God, it is so much more likely that we are going to be willing to go out and bless others. Our calling to be distinctive in the world is not to be at the top of the corporate ladder. Our calling and what makes us distinctive is to be a people that bless at all costs and in all situations. Because we know, we believe in what the heart of, of God moves us towards. So three quick reflections here before we wrap up tonight. So often we are looking for that specific thing, that specific job that we are called to. And before we look for that specific job, I want to assert 
that what we first what we first need to do is set out knowing that we are people blessed by God. That we are in that, that covenant lineage that God gave to Abraham, Abraham that says, you are blessed. Okay? How often do we, do we make decisions based on all these other things where, where how much something pays, um, what the, the task is, all those things go first. Well, what is it, what is it, might, what might it look like for us to, to move into decisions? And the first, the first criteria of moving into that decision is going, you know what? I know. I know that God has given his blessing upon me. I don't have to wonder if I'm blessed. Know that God has given you this invitation. He did it first. Before we did anything to earn a blessing, God blesses. We can't forget that. God is, the, is first the one that does the blessing. We don't earn it. But too often, we don't believe this. And the problem is, if we're not believing that we are a people blessed by the living God, it's going to be a lot harder to share that blessing, right? Some of you know uh, Alan Belton, former missions pastor here at UPC and reconciliation expert. Awesome, awesome man. One of Alan's go-to lines, in fact, if he's spoken at Convergence, I can almost guarantee he's probably said this. You guys probably know it before I do. But his big thing is, when it comes to reconciliation, loved folks love folks. Okay? Loved folks love folks. In the same way that if we are going to, to capture what the weight of blessing is, we need to start by believing that blessed folks bless folks. You are going to be leaving, says God to Abram, everything you know. Go from this land. Go from your father's house. Go from here. But you will be blessed by a God that enters in. Start by knowing that you are blessed. I know it for sure because you're here tonight. God has brought you here tonight. That's enough evidence I need to know. That God is for you and God has blessed you. He's done so by, by bringing you here. Believe tonight that you are blessed. Second reflection is that blessing is never something to be hoarded. It is something to be shared. When we are called to a specific place or perhaps when you apply for a job uh mike was scratching at this a little bit when he was he was talking about early on in his career it was kind of all about his own will and his own drive what we might call a garden variety careerism what does it look like if we are are saying this blessing that we know is to be shared um what what does it look like for us to ask Not, what do I get out of this job, but how do I bless the people here? Be it co-workers, be it the people that you interact with, that you sell to, clients, students, whoever they are. What does it look like for us to, to, before we even look at the compensation package, 
Before we even, we even look at some of the details of the job to go, how can I bless the people here? Is it possible for me to enter into the, the mystery and the chaos of this place? Because I guarantee, especially if, if whatever it is that you are pursuing, whatever call you, you, you have, and it involves people, I promise you there will be mystery and chaos. Okay? It's just the way it works. How can you bless the people there? In fact, if we were to take it further, perhaps... Perhaps you could think of this, you know, if you're an accountant or a, 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 a banker, whatever it is that you may do, what does it look like in the context that you reside right now to work in order to work so hard and to do that so well to bless somebody that they might be the one that gets the promotion? You see, blessing costs us something. If we're talking about real blessing that transcends green and card crap, we're, we're talking about giving up our need to be the one that gets the credit or that gets all the success and saying, I'm going to do everything I can to see if I can get my supervisor a promotion. I'm going to do everything I can uh, to, to see to, for this person that I'm mentoring, that I'm supervising, to see if I can get them a promotion. That's blessing. That is, a, that is a blessing that calls us outside of ourselves. Finally, what does it mean for us to be a community of blessing? And let us be a community of blessing. Not only for, for you all as a community that calls itself Convergence. But my hope would be that this community called UPC would be a community like that. A question that has been rolling around in my mind recently is just this question of what is the church that I want to be a part of? What does the church that I want to be a part of look like? And what I know is that, is that I want to be a part of a Christian community that is Fiercely and robustly committed to blessing. To blessing in a beatitudes type of way. To going out and blessing the poor in spirit. To participating in God's great desire that those are the folks that would be blessed. That's the community that I want to be a part of. To take the impulse that we have and the words that, that Eugene had. That our, our, our impulse to compete. To dominate and in fact to judge and replace that with blessing. Uh, another, uh, another mentor of mine likes to share a story about being at the mall one day. And as he's sitting there kind of in this center of the mall, his wife was out, you know, was, was in one of the stores shopping and he's just kind of sitting out there, you know, doing what you do when you go to the mall and that of course is people watching, right? And as he's, as he's watching all these people walk by and, and making these snap judgments of, of oh, you know, uh, you know, she's thin, he's fat, he's angry, she's not a good parent. Making all of these, these kind of snap judgments on people, he begins to notice that he's noticing all of this. That he's making all of these, these judgments or, or these assumptions about people 
And very few of them are good. And so in that moment, he, he, you know, I think we could call it the Holy Spirit. He feels this sense of conviction to say, I am going to stop that. And instead of judging them, I am going to ascribe them worth. So instead of judging, he starts looking at all these people and going, that is a beloved child of the king. That person is, is wounded, but there's hope. And, and he starts, instead of judging these people, blessing them, ascribing worth to them, seeking to love them even as a bystander. And, and then he talks about what happens as this happened, as, as he's doing this, that there was a whole new emotion that comes up in him. This whole new sense of motivation and desire to enter in and to love these people. He's sitting in the center of the mall with tears streaming down his cheeks as he recognizes God loves these people. God is passionate about these people. This guy is a pastor and he has this incredible recognition that God is way more passionate about these people than I am. My call is not to judge them, but to love them. To bless them. How can we replace our impulse to judge with an impulse to bless? Remember in the Genesis 12 passage where God in that covenant to Abram says, Those who, will, who curse you, I will curse. You don't need to worry about cursing anybody. You don't need to worry about judging anybody. The commission that God gave to Abram that we carry on even now on this side of the cross as people who live by the power of the risen Christ. A Christ that didn't just partially enter in, didn't just partially bow down, but suffered. He was crucified, he was dead, he was buried, he rose again. That is a God that is entered in. That is the God that, that has said, you are blessed. And because so, let us be a community that gets away from blessing as mere greeny, greeting card sentimentality. But let us be dirty, dirty blessers. People that, that enter into the mystery and chaos of life that God's love and his desire that all humanity flourish be made known. Lord, thank you for this. And Lord, if we're, um, we're going to be on this road, we need your help. So empower us, Lord, by the power of, of your spirit uh, that we might be blessers. Uh, that we would not uh, think too much about ourselves, but that you would give us an eye for others. Uh, Lord, that as we are blessed, we could bless others, and in so doing, communicate your heart to a world in need. Help us as we go about that, in Jesus' name. Amen.